This is the 200 Churches Podcast, Episode 41. When I left, I got an email from a friend of mine who helped to set all of this up, and after we left, he said he's been getting emails and calls almost every day from the pastors who were at the conference, and he said to me the most common reaction he gets from the Croatian pastors was, Carl wasn't like the other American pastors who came. He told us the truth. I don't say that with any pride whatsoever. I say that with a broken heart. This is the 200 Churches Podcast, created to encourage and inspire pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who lead and pastor in the 200 Church and strive to provide information and encouragement to make you smile, think, and be challenged. The old and the new of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. Thanks so much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast today. I am Johnny Craig, and as always, I'm here in the studio, live and in person, with... Jeff Katie. Jeff Katie. Guys, Jeff Katie is the man with the plan. And uh, Angela this morning, she said, the something old and something new of uh, ministry podcast yep. personalities. Yep. So which one uh, Which one are you there? Well, I'm obviously the something new. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you bring, you know, you bring some mm-hmm. stuff that, because you're younger, you just use the same old stuff. You haven't figured it out yet. Exactly. I bring the something new. You are definitely something. Some, you're something. Or, or I'm something that's old, and you're something that's newer. Newer. Less old. That makes sense to me. Okay. Maybe we should get to the content <laughs> of the podcast today. Maybe we should. Yeah. Uh, today on the show, we have Carl Vader's uh, returning. He, we had him on for the first time in August. Uh, Carl just got back from a trip to Croatia and Germany and Europe, uh, talking to to uh, pastors there about small church ministry. And so we're going to catch up with Carl today, fresh on the heels of that European tour. And before we get to this, uh, I'm just saying we've just done the call with Carl. We're doing this intro to this podcast, and honestly. This was a great conversation for me to have with Carl. I, I want to talk about some of the things that we've talked about, but if I talk about them now, then I'll already have heard them before we actually. We don't want, yeah, we don't want people them. to get bored because we're going to already talk about them. You know what I'm saying? It happened in the past, right? But in, it's actually in the future. It's in the future. So yep. anyway, seriously, this is a great conversation <laughs> that that I think is going to encourage small church pastors. And so if you're the pastor of a small church, if you're in a small church, if you're passionate about small church ministry, we really hit on some uh, very, I think, very important principles. Hugely important. Yeah, and realizations, too, of, of how small churches work and really the importance of small churches in the kingdom of God. So we had a significant conversation. We're going to get right to that call right now. So we're here with Carl Vaders. Carl is back from his European excursion. Carl, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing all right. We're doing. All right. You're a globe trotter now. Was this your first time to Europe? It's not my first time, but it's the first time that I've gone for all of you know for the ministry and for the book. Uh, it's my first time in a couple of the countries we went to, but we've been in Europe a couple times before. Okay, very cool. Now I said you were yeah. ministering, but in reality, I think I saw the word vacation in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we 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 attached that to the work. So, hey, yeah, when in Rome, was, Italy was a vacation. There you go. What's that, John? I said when in Rome. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. In fact, man, Rome's just crazy amazing. It's 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 history overload in Rome. Yeah, I just it went really to Washington yeah. D.C. and that feels kind of lame now talking to you about you know Croatia and Germany and Italy. 
It's like, yeah, uh, well, yeah that's, Washington, D.C. That's my deal. goal in life, to make others feel less than. <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you went, to, you went to Croatia. Now, I wanted to say Bosnia, but it was Croatia where they were, yeah. where they were actually reading your book and they wanted you to come and, and speak to them about it. Yeah, yeah, Croatia, which, and, and um, from what everybody, everybody else who's ever been to Croatia, they, you know, they go there on vacation, and so they tell me, oh, it's just so beautiful, did you see this, and did you see this? Well, one side of Croatia, the uh, the western side, which is uh, right across the Aegean Sea from Italy, is apparently one of the most beautiful spots on the face of the earth. We were on the side next to Bosnia and Serbia, where the industry isn't tourism, it's war. Mm, wow. And uh, so, you know, but that's, you know, when, when you're going for ministry, that's kind of what happens sometimes. So, yeah, we went to the, to the we, we actually stood at one point on the Danube River, which is the river that divides Croatia from Serbia. And uh, at that point, the river is so narrow, you can almost throw a stone and hit Serbia. We, we were in a city that in 1995 was so decimated by the war with Serbia that there wasn't a single intact building left standing. Oh, my goodness. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Just it, it's uh, we talked with one of the um, the pastors that that uh, is in charge of the whole group that brought us there. He said virtually every war fought in Europe has somehow touched Croatian soil because Croatia is between Europe and the Middle East. It's a part of Europe, but it's between the main part of Europe. And so everybody crosses, passes through Croatia. Nobody wants Croatia. They just need it to get to the place that they want. Sounds a little like Israel, so, huh? Yeah, yeah, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. Everybody's got to go through it to get where they go, and so it's just a roadway. So they don't care about the roadway, they just need to capture it. So everybody just destroys it, and he went through the list of wars, and it's just unbelievable. And the most recent one, 95, which they're still digging their way out of. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, re- I remember that, but, you know, confusing names of countries, confusing yeah. histories, and so from from an American vantage point, you didn't really know what was going on unless you almost made yourself a student of, of the whole deal. Yeah, well, it's true. It's really complex because uh, Croatia is one of six nations that used to be part of what we called Yugoslavia. So these are the Balkan mm. nations. So Yugoslavia broke up into six nations, and uh, Croatian the Croatians were the ones who invited uh, me in after one of the Croatian pastors there uh, read the book and felt like uh, there was some value in it for them. So that was what that was what got us there, and you know we found ourselves in this country that uh, is quite literally digging themselves out from the ruins of war. Uh, on the end of the country we were at, because again it's right near the Serbian border, about every third building still has massive holes in the walls from bullets or mortar rounds. So um, you're saying yeah. Yugoslavia itself? That that's not including Czechoslovakia, but Yugoslavia busted into six nations. Yeah. They busted into six nations: uh, Croatia, Kosovo, Bosnia, Serbia, Montenegro, and Macedonia. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's helpful to know. I mean, yeah. if you're interested in you know Eastern European geopolitical landscapes, um, I see it in the news, but I don't. I've never really you know pieced it all together before. Yeah, that's that that's the piece. So when we went, the day we got there for the conference was the day that my book came and landed in front of them in from the printer in Croatian. So I saw, I, I was there as they uncrated the books. We all saw it together for the first time and they ordered, they, they printed a thousand books and their plan is to distribute them to churches through all of those six nations that used to be Yugoslavia. Okay. Yeah. I saw the picture yeah. of you holding up that book. <laughs> this is a great segue into let's talk, let's talk small church. 
I described you on the blog this morning as a rabid small church proponent. So, <laughs> so what did you find? Let's talk small church uh, from from your experience there in Croatia. Uh, what did you find there, and how does it connect or relate to what what we experience here, or what we're dealing with, challenges and yeah. things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, well, I'm going to throw in a little bit of Germany, too, because just before Croatia, we went to uh, Germany where okay. we worked with um, uh, U.S. military chaplains for exactly the same reason. And, it, it, and the reason I want to throw it in is because there's an interesting parallel between the two. When we were in Germany, we were dealing with death, and when we were in Croatia, we were dealing with resurrection. But both of them go completely towards the value of small churches. When we were in Germany, we were in a little town called Schweinfurt, where they're closing one of the uh, U.S. Army bases as they're closing bases all over Germany. You know, it's been 60 years since World War II. It's been 25 years since the fall of the uh, Iron Curtain, and so our need for a military presence isn't as strong as it used to be. So they're closing their base there, and um, so we we spent our time with chaplains, and it's a very interesting situation to be in a place where the job of the chaplains, if they're doing their job right, every month their church is smaller mm. because they're closing it down, mm-hmm. and their job by this time next year is to be completely gone and completely out of there. And so it was interesting to be with them because they were in the same positions that a lot of small church pastors are in, which is struggling and small and getting smaller, except that it's their job. That's they're supposed to do that. (laughs) But it plays with your head. You know, it's one thing to put in a ton of effort and see growth. It's another thing to put in a ton of effort. And even when you're successful, it means smaller numbers. And it's almost like being a, a small group leader. Right. Yeah, it it is in a lot of ways. And and, and part of the challenge, I, I ran into it in both places. They've had speakers come in before from, uh, from the States, and uh, they've all come in with the big church, bigger is better mindset that we're all, you know, struggling against here. And they've actually had, um, you know, civilian speakers come in and do the whole, you know, you know grab onto faith. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. It's going to be great. And I had a couple chaplains after my talk with them at the prayer breakfast come to me and actually kind of in whispered tones in the corner go, thank you so much. You're the first civilian who gets what we're going through here. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. He, he said, they're all coming in and going through all this. And it's like, don't they get that every week I've got to comfort my daughter because she's saying goodbye to school friends who are leaving? Hmm. Don't they get that next month the PX will be closed and my wife, who doesn't speak a word of German, is going to have to go into town? Don't they get that the hospital is closed and we already have to switch from our English-speaking doctors and dentists to German-speaking, and that's a challenge to us? Quit telling us bigger and moving forward. We're closing the place down. Hmm. And when he said, you know, how did you kind of get where we were going, coming from as a civilian? How did you get what we needed? I said, well, last night I sat down and talked with one of the chaplains, and she told me what you needed. <laughs> oh, actually listening before you speak, there's a concept. That, yeah, what an idea. That's a... <laughs> yeah. That's, that's crazy. You know, and so, you know, I'm no genius. I just went in and said, hey, what's really going on? And after that conversation, I completely changed my address at the prayer breakfast with them because I had discovered what their real needs were. Wow. And I think that really goes to one of the real advantages of the small church. You know, I think big churches, they have to take surveys and they have to take polls of their congregation because it's so big. 
But in a small church, we can actually have personal conversations to sit down with people and go, what's, what's your real need? What's really going on? Right. You can be a part of a town and of a community and of a culture and speak to that rather than coming in with a prescribed idea of what you think is really going on. And, and it doesn't even take long conversations. You know, these little short conversations where we actually pay attention to people's needs can help us adjust and and help, you know, bring them a message that will meet those needs. I've read some... Um I never know how to put thoughts together without an introduction, so I apologize. But I've, I've read some about uh, Western influence on the church in places like Africa, Asia, you know, emerging right type of yeah. world countries. Uh, and and the, the humor and sadness at the same time of seeing like a Gothic church uh, building built kind of sub-Saharan Africa. You know, there's no, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense culturally or anything. Yeah. And, and what we've done is just kind of exported a version of our faith, a version of Christianity, this American stuff, and then ex- expected them to adopt it. You're going to Croatia and Germany and those places. To me, wh- I guess here's my question. What is the damage, and this is pretty direct, that the American church is doing to our brothers and sisters around the world by only exporting mega church ideas into yeah. into Europe, Asia, Africa, all over the place. What's the damage yeah. that we're doing? Uh, I'm going to try to answer that question without choking up, because this is not theory to me anymore. I, I know these people's names now. Sure. So this hits me very, very deeply. When I left, I'll tell you what we did when we went there, but I'll start it with this. When I left, I got an email from the friend of mine who helped to set all of this up. And after we left, he said he's been getting emails and calls almost every day from the pastors who were at the conference. And he said to me, the most common reaction he gets from the Croatian pastors was, Carl wasn't like the other American pastors who came. He told us the truth. I don't say that with any pride whatsoever. I say that with a broken heart. Because what they were expressing in that was what they've heard is what you just said. They all come in with bigger is better. And if you had, I, I, I sat in a town called Vukovar, the town that's on the Danube River, that's a stone's throw across the river from Serbia, the town that didn't have a single intact building standing after 1995. And we went to visit the pastor there, who was the pastor who originally read my book and got in touch with others to get me brought there. And we went to their small apartment. This family is not from Vukovar. They moved there. They're Croatian, but they moved to Vukovar after the war because they saw the need was so great. They live in a small three-bedroom apartment, them and their two college-age daughters now. And they served us dinner that night in a tiny room that serves as a bedroom and a dining room and an office. Hmm. And it's smaller than the average American bedroom. And these people have literally been told by American speakers, if they had more faith, their churches would be bigger. Mm. And I sat in that room that evening, eating their wonderful food and celebrating with them. And all I could think of was, please tell me how to have the kind of faith that you have. Right, right. Uh, literally rebuilding this city from rubble since 1995, we walked around and the devastation in that town is still overwhelming over a dozen years later. And these are joyous people. These are sacrificial people. These are smart people. But their churches are necessarily small, one, because of the war and the ravages of the war that they're still digging themselves out from, but also because 
Croatia is officially something like 93 or 94 percent Catholic. They joke that they're more Catholic than the Pope. <laughs> and this is not an anti-Catholic thing. If you go anywhere, if you go to the South and find a region of the South that's 94 percent Southern Baptist, they're not really Southern Baptist. Sure. It, it's just their culture. So 94% Catholic, when it gets that high in number, most of them aren't Catholic. They're not in the churches on Sundays. That's just, they call themselves Catholic, but they call, call themselves Croatian. It, right, it's it's right. just a cultural identifier. But because they identify themselves as Catholic, they don't think they need Jesus. They think they've got Jesus because they were born into a Catholic family mm-hmm. and go to Mass on Christmas Eve. John, Johnny's, Johnny's fritzing out over here because he thinks our town's the same way. It is the same way. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and and for you, it's probably not Catholic. It's probably, what, Southern Baptist or whatever. It, it doesn't matter the label, right? Right, right. So people identify themselves as Christian because of this. And so the soil there is really hard, because over nine out of ten people you're going to talk to are going to go, no, I'm Catholic. I don't need that. I've, I'm, I've, I've got this spiritual thing locked up because my family for seven generations has been Catholic. I'm Croatian, after all, don't you know? Their church growth is going to look very, very different than an American model of church growth. We went to three churches on the Sunday that we were there. I've spoken all three of them. The one that's online that you put on your website is from the first one, and it's they meet in um, what used to be a synagogue, a 150-year-old building, a beautiful little place. Mm-hmm. And he's got a he's probably the second or third biggest Protestant church in Croatia, and they have about 220 people average on a Sunday morning. Oh my! Wow! Yeah, I and, like and, that. I like so, that cross in the back. In the back of yeah, oh, yeah. in a gorgeous, beautiful little place, and yep. just wonderful people, unbelievably beautiful. And then after that, we went to a gypsy church that was established about eighteen months ago, and they've had, I think, they said eleven or twelve converts in the last eighteen months. That is revival on a level that we can understand in Croatian among wow. the gypsies, because the gypsies come out of like ancient spiritism, paganism. You know, it's a very strange thing that they're coming out of. So it's a totally different deal. And to have eight, nine, ten in in eighteen months, I mean, they're bouncing off the walls with the glory of God that He has allowed them to do that. Now that that's and, in this we, in this church that you just said the first one you went was to. The, se- the second that one. was the second church that we went to on Sunday. And okay. their their entire their entire property, everything they own, is basically the same size and shape of two average American bedrooms with the dividing wall taken out between them. Wow. And there's a little pot belly stove in the middle of it that they had wood in and they burned because it was a cold, rainy day. And they walked in from miles to come to this little church. And we jammed ourselves in elbow to elbow with maybe 30 people in the room. And they had the biggest smiles on their faces, the biggest joy of the Lord in their hearts, because the, the gypsy lifestyle is a difficult lifestyle. And what spiritual life they have is 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 this mystical, ancient, pagan hybrid of all kinds of things and there's there's real you know it's 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 the closest thing to our understanding would be something like voodoo it's that kind of magic based kind of a, of a thing and, and the freedom they have coming to an understanding of Christ outside of that is just an extraordinary thing to see yeah yeah i, w- I was going to say imagine what a difference jesus is you know oh. the all powerful all humble you know almighty but all loving one compared yeah. to that kind of a background. Yeah, oh absolutely. So Carl, then, Carl, who who are ahead. the who are these people that are coming with this with this uh mega church message? I mean, you know, I guess you don't want to name names, but like right. uh, who who are these people that come over? I mean, who are these pastors that and on what pretense do they go over there? Well, um 
for the different ones, some of them, there are a couple, you know, really well-known names that have been over there. In uh, in when I was in Germany, the, the guy who was before me, and I, and I won't say the name, was mm-hmm. a well-known guy that would be out of what we would call the prosperity gospel. Okay. Who flew over, flew over in a private jet and made sure that they... Gave, they used his sound system to speak to 75 people at the, at the military base. It's just a mindset that I don't get. Yeah. You know, and in Croatia, the same thing. They don't get a lot of speakers, especially on that end of the country. It's just one of the reasons they were so grateful for us showing up is because we showed up. <laughs> you know, it was 90% of life sometimes is just showing up. Right. Um, but also, they, they walked out of my session after I kind of explained the premise of the book, because only like five people in the room had read it in English before it got translated. Everybody else is brand new. And here's another American speaker. And by the end of it, they were going back and they were grabbing these books by five or six at a time to bring back and to give to their deacons and staff members hmm. and anybody they could give to. And the expression was, yeah, everybody else who comes who's teaching us pastoral principles is all coming from where we know they come from, which is the, the church growth mentality. And it simply doesn't relate in their culture. And it takes these wonderful people who are in the, in the ravages of these war-torn places dealing with cultural issues and dealing with historical issues that are simply outside of our frame of reference. And they're hearing things that don't apply to them. And in addition to the burden of already being under the stress of these cultures, they, we, our, the Americans go over and we go over and we add another brick to their load by making them feel guilty that they haven't built a big church. So as you're saying this, I'm thinking, we do this here to small church pastors like 24-7. Yeah, right? absolutely. In America, yep. I mean, what yep. as egregious and mournful as that situation is there, we're just used to it here in America, right? I mean, uh, small yeah. church pastors, we well, we just live it. We just think this is the way it always is. We're always supposed to feel guilty for not having bigger churches because if we were yeah. better, we'd be bigger. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and that's that's what they're getting there. And the interesting thing about it there is it really is like going back in time because. Croatian is not exactly a popular language. Not a lot of books get translated into it. So mm-hmm. the ones that do are the ones that they're on their 34th language translation. They finally hit Croatian. Is this your first language translation? Yeah. That's the <laughs> thing about it. My Way to go, Carl. Way to jump straight to the, the end. Yeah, there you I go. Jump straight to number 34. It's just <laughs> weird. You know, yeah. But, but I mean, you're understandable, right? It's a yeah, re- you you sure. go Spanish, you go French, you go Italian, right. you go, I mean, how many languages are you going to translate a book into before you finally get to Croatian? So they're now getting books that are 20 years old and that have sold several million copies. Those are about the only ones they get translated into their language. By the time it gets to Croatian, they've got a, the book has to be that big and has to have been around that long. So they're on this time warp. They're just now getting stuff that we got 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's so interesting. That's amazing. So they're just at the beginning of the church growth movement stage in their learning right now. So you get to cut it off. There you go, Carl. Yeah, it it really, it is. It's one of those God things where it's just like, how in the world does Croatian even happen to my book? And it's just (laughs) one of these amazing circumstances where a friend of a friend of a friend passes the book on, and the next thing I know, I'm holding... It literally transliterates from uh, Croatian as the myth of the locust because there's no uh, there's no Croatian word for grasshopper. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, Carl, uh-huh. that that makes me think about you know. We're, I mean, we our goal is to encourage small church pastors. 
I mean, here you're a small church pastor, but but yeah. God is still using you in such significant ways and in just right. such a such a niche way, you know. I mean, to just to yeah. reach through all the rest of Europe over there into that one little spot and just encourage this small group of pastors and church leaders. That is so cool. Yeah, it was really a, a remarkable thing. Like I said earlier, when I was you know, to talk about it, I, I have a hard time saying it without choking up because I had a hard time being with them. You know, the last thing they need is me coming in and crying in front of them. So I just, you know, held it on. And then after each service, my wife and I kind of went in the back room and just kind of cried over the thing together because you're, you're watching people with stunning faith and enormous sacrifice hmm. and they're smart they're intelligent they know what they're doing and they know their culture and the stuff they're being given they're reading these books because they want to know more they're coming to the conferences because they want to know more yeah, right. you know they're, they're not they're not um they're not uh sitting in the corner going oh we just don't care they're not lazy they're not stupid <laughs> yeah. right. they're not faithless they are the opposite of all of those things but they're in a situation where, you know, two, you know, a church of 200 or what, you know, like I said, the one church we started in, the church that hits 200 on a big Sunday, that's their mega church. Wow. Well, we were a mega church yesterday. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah we were just about that <laughs> number good, yesterday. Yeah. Hey, Carl, uh, I feel like we're just getting started talking, but in podcast world, um, yep. we're, we're going to have to wrap it up. But bring this down to the small church pastor who's listening. Uh, the small church leader who's listening. What lesson did you take away from your time in in Croatia with with those pastors in those churches, in those intimate uh, worship settings that they welcomed you into? What, what's the lesson for us as American pastors in small churches? Um, yeah. What, what can you What can you say to encourage and or challenge us? Yeah. I, the first sentence that occurs to me is is what you do matters. Mm-hmm. It, it matters. I, I, I saw it when you go to a place like Croatia, it is so stark that it draws the picture in much more vivid colors and sharper lines. Hmm. But coming home to the small church pastor in America, the picture is the same. The lines just aren't as stark. The colors just aren't as vivid because we're used to being here. We're used to these colors and these lines. But it's it's no different. It is still being faithful where God put you, uh, finding a place where there's a need and going in to fill it, dealing with uh, situations where growth may not come along at the same anticipated levels that the books or the seminars are going to tell you they are. But you've got to look at it and go, but that writer of that book from that place doesn't know my community and my church any more than they know the community or church in Croatia. Right. It, it is a different culture, uh, even for me, and it, and it doesn't even just apply to small towns. I, you know, I live in Orange County. There are 20 million people within a two-hour drive of my house, and my church is small because uh, there's a whole bunch of those 20 million people who worship better in a smaller, more intimate, more personalized setting. Mm-hmm. So we just need tons of small churches in Orange County. Whereas in a small town, you may have three or four small churches and, and no big ones because of the size. Uh, but so take what you can from the books. Take what you can and extrapolate it out. But there's a whole bunch of stuff from some of these books you're just going to have to set aside and go, that just doesn't apply to me here. And what does apply to me is what I'm going to apply. 
and uh, you know, and and spend the time, spend more time talking to your congregation and knowing your community and knowing your culture than you spend reading books t- trying to tell you how to do it a different way. Bingo! There you go. That's a good one right there. That's yeah. a that's a great challenge to us as small church pastors. Yeah. And I think we don't do that well. Again, my two-hour conversation with a chaplain the night before changed everything, and I did the same thing in Croatia. I sat down with him before I spoke a word and said, tell me about your situation. And that taught me more about what to, to how to help them than any book I could have brought or any seminar teaching that I could have tried to reinterpret to them. Exactly. You know, I think it was Yogi Berra. I think it was Yogi Berra who said, you can hear a lot by listening. <laughs> Sounds about right. Well, uh, yeah, but his son said you could hear even more if you listen even more. So, <laughs> hey, Carl, it's been great talking to you, and uh, we're going to have you on again really soon. Yeah, absolutely. Love chatting with you guys, and uh, anytime we'll we'll see what else there is to explore. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Carl. That was part of our conversation with Carl Vaders, and we talked for probably another half an hour. Easily, Just yeah. the three of us, and Carl is a just a great guy. But, Johnny, let's just each share a takeaway that we had from the conversation. What, what was it that jumped out at you that, that you're going to take away from it? For me, the takeaway, it has to be that the point about exporting megachurch values and megachurch ideals uh, out into the rest of the world mm-hmm. and into the rest of the world that doesn't it doesn't actually have the framework or ability to implement those ideas. Right. And so when Carl talked about, you know, he went to a 200 church that was the third biggest church in yeah. the country. Yeah, the mega church. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're talking to 200 church pastors as small church pastors. Right. Um, and so for Carl to go there was such a big deal. But your point to that was that in America, the same thing is true. We just have so many churches in this country uh, that don't have the ability to kind of incorporate megachurch ideals, but that's all we're given. That's all we're handed all mm-hmm. the time. Right. But we're just used to being beat up about it. Yeah. <laughs> We've just grown yep. accustomed to the abuse. And so I think that's my takeaway is we need to, as small church pastors, I think that what Carl does, and I think what we do, and Jim Powell and the 95 Network, we're kind of creating this little community of, of uh, places where small church pastors can get encouragement and really be lifted up in that. So that's probably my takeaway. See, and I think we're energized and we give energy to those things that we feel good about. Yeah. And as small church pastors, if we don't feel good about A, our church, or be ourselves as a small church pastor, we're not going to be energized. We're not going to give energy to it. So the whole point of what we're trying to do, what Carl's doing, uh, by the way, if you want some encouragement, Carl has got a lot of great, he's he's a great blog post writer Oh yeah, that is pro-small church ministry, yes. um, and it's at newsmallchurch.com, newsmallchurch.com. Uh, you can find some great encouragement. My, Johnny, my takeaway from this was the fact that as Carl talked about his friend's church of 3,000, again, you know, there were, there's no service in that church of 3,000 that's over 350-something Isn't that people. crazy? Yeah, so you, you almost, I mean, do you call yourself a church of 3,000, or you just say you're a conglomerate of, you know, a bunch of small churches, <laughs> right, right. right? And I guess he said, the guy said, hey, I'm a small church pastor of 12 different congregations, right. in a sense. So with technology, we can do things differently, and we can pull that off. But but just for us as small church pastors and for you as small church pastors who are listening to feel good about what you're doing because the church that you have 
is the very group that large churches try to create so they can do what? So they can get ministry done. Right. Because you can't do ministry in a large group. Right. Those are the small church dynamics that Carl kept talking about. And we have the opportunity to, as small church pastors, to operate with the face-to-face ministry. We don't right. have to do surveys. You know, we don't have to take the pulse uh, by doing some sort of big survey thing. We just get to talk to people. Yeah, so I, I could get really liquored up about that. And what liquors me up... What what was it to what the bee in my bonnet, right? <laughs> bee in your right? bonnet, yes. What sir. really makes me mad is to think that pastors of small churches are beating themselves up yeah. instead of feeling the smile of Jesus on what they're doing. Right. So if you as a small church pastor have been beating yourself up because your church is just so small, you know, feel the smile of God saying you have a flock and a group of people mm-hmm. to minister to, to love, to serve, to teach, to grow, and you're multiplying yourself through those people. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's a one-on-one deal with them. So, uh, man, feel good about what you're doing as a small church pastor. Johnny, wrap us up. Uh, well, I think the final thing that we would say today is uh, we would love it if you could go on iTunes and give us a rating. Um, every time we get a rating... It boosts us up the search charts. Uh, it helps other small church pastors find us, connect with us, everything like that. For for you seven people who have given us yeah, a rating. Yeah, seven people. And we, we thank you. We know that there's a lot more <laughs> listening because we see the numbers. We see the numbers, and yeah. this so, thing is growing and growing. So if you... Go ahead. So, <laughs> Jeff can't even help himself. <laughs> so give us a rating. Leave us some feedback there. Uh, co- leave some comments on the blog. We love to hear from you. Whenever we get emails from you, uh, it just makes us so happy. So, so let us know how we're doing. We love to talk to you about this stuff. You are the reason that we do what we do. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the 200 Churches Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. Feel free to give the guys feedback or ask questions at 200churches.com. And remember, the leadership that you provide in your 200 church matters big in the kingdom of God.